This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We are back today with a new episode for you all. I'm your host, Tyler Hurley, here with Robbie Lashua. What's going on? What is going on? Good to be back. Yeah, we're super thrilled to get into the topic today. Uh, There are some people in my life who I have known personally who have had discussions with me about eternal security and can Christians lose their salvation. And we have talked about this before in the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, but this is something we wanted to readdress because this is a very important issue uh, among the church that Christians uh, should have an understanding of. is how secure is their salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, man, just being in ministry for, how old am I now? I'm old. I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, so like 15 years, 16 years now, like this is like one of the number one anxiety-causing uh, factors in Christians' lives. Mm. Am I really saved because I just screwed up royally? How do I know in the future I won't deny the faith? How do I, right? Sure. And people freak out about this, as you should, because we um, worry about things that are important to us. Well, and it is important, and yeah. salvation is very important to Christians. <laughs> Going to heaven when I die is a big deal to me. Mm. And so knowing where to look for my assurance and what scripture says about it. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's a big deal for us to know. Of course, of course. But before we get into the topic for today, as always, we start with a coffee tip. And Robbie, you have that coffee tip for I us. do. So the coffee tip for today is interesting. So this comes from Business Insider, and they say that 18% of coffee shop tippers do not have a default tip amount. Mm, okay. So people don't always go in saying I'm going to tip a dollar or two dollars. Most of the time, people will just leave the extra change. If you pay in cash, you know how like then they give you mm. change back, and you're like, I don't want to put this in my pocket, and you just dump it in that box. Sure. They have yeah, the that makes sense. So that happens a lot, or even uh, with uh, with cards, you know, it'll have like an add tip amount or round up to the dollar, and typically mm. people do that. However, uh, about a fifth of people, about 20% of people, will tip between 10 and 15%, which is about a dollar for a drip coffee, mm. um, which seems like a really good amount uh, for a tip, especially yeah. when you consider... Think about this, Tyler. Uh, drip coffee is not hard for people to make. No, not The at barista all. says, well, what will you like? And you say, I would like a coffee. <laughs> and they say, okay, that'll be $500. And then they turn. <laughs> right. And yeah. you pay, right? And they turn their back. They fill up a cup and they turn back and give it to you. They don't come to your table and serve it to you. It's true. Typically, right? And so a uh, dollar for a black cup of coffee is, a, a I think, a really good tip. Well, I, I think And so 20% too. of people are well, very generous. Well, people who, who uh, like brew coffee and stuff like like they make really good tips. My, my brother works at a coffee shop and he oh, makes yeah, that's pretty right. good tips. And, and the thing is that's interesting is it's, it's not like a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant because they, like their income is like almost dependent on the tips. Oh yeah, coffee shop, there's they're not, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. It's, it's guaranteed. Uh, like usually it could be like minimum wage still. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I mean, they have a guaranteed income regard. Like the, they don't rely on tips, but the tips sure do give them a good uh, benefit. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's crazy. So there's a lot of... Uh, Interesting stuff that goes into tipping people for your coffee. It's crazy how much money goes into that. No, there is. Yeah. yeah. But it's a good thing to think through like what you want to do and and what criteria you're going to tip on based on your cup of coffee, the drink you order, the service you get, all of those kinds of things. So that's the coffee tip for today. Uh, There's kind of a wide variety of how people go about tipping their baristas. Yeah. There we go. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Cool. So now for the topic today, again, we are talking about eternal security. Yes. Yeah. And, and not just, uh, we're talking about eternal security and also assurance, right? Yeah. Cause yeah, be, you, you could be eternally secure. You could be going to heaven when you die, but not know it or mm. trust it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we want to even get to how do people and how should people have a trust that they know that they're going yeah, to not just, uh, just trust me, pal. You're saved. Like, no, that's no, it. no, no, no yeah. it's not like that. There's, no. there's reasons. So there are. that's what we want to talk about. But first and foremost, we really want to emphasize salvation, right? Uh, how is one safe, right? Yep. Salvation is solely based on the belief in Jesus. And the doctrine mm-hmm. of eternal security is that whoever once truly believes, once, only it's a one-time event. That's Need a big to clarify deal, that. yep. Whoever once truly believes that Jesus was raised from the dead and confesses 
that Jesus is Lord will go to heaven when they die. And that's a promise from John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, he yep. gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Yep, that's right. Yeah, exactly. And so what we are addressing today is that once you place your trust in the true Jesus as Lord, the Jesus I just described, the one who is the son of God, mm -hmm. who came and died for our sins because we needed a savior. Yes. We needed him to come. There's a need for our sin to be paid for. That's what the wages of sin is death. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what right. in Romans. And that is the goal. We needed a savior. So Christ came. He did the work. Once you place your trust in the true Jesus, you are eternally secure in him and nothing can separate you from that. Yeah, that's important. Exactly. So wanted to establish that first and foremost. That is the gospel. And once you are locked in, nothing can separate you. That's right. So uh, I wanted to share this quote from R.T. Kendall. Then this is what we're going to be getting into. He said, such a person will go to heaven when he dies, no matter what work or lack of work may accompany such faith. And that's in reference to yep. once you've accepted Christ. Yeah. Once you've been saved, you can't get out of it. And mm -hmm. uh, if you are struggling with this and you want to go more in depth, this book by R.T. Kendall is really good. It's called mm. Once Saved, Always Saved by R.T. Kendall. We'll have uh, links to it in the show notes and everything. I highly suggest you read it. <clears throat> but before we get into... Um, uh, assurance. We we first need to establish what do we mean by saved, right? Yeah, yeah. And and there are three ways that the Bible. Well, there's actually four ways that the Bible uh, describes saved. Um, and again, it goes back to context, right? How do we know what it's mm -hmm. saying? Well, we have to look at the context. We have to look at who it's addressed to. We have to look at who wrote it. What the occasion is. What time period. All of those things. So um, the majority of the way that the the Bible talks about saved, or when the word saved is used in Old Testament or New Testament, is temporal physical saving like David Lord save my life from my enemies he's not talking about going to heaven when he dies he's talking about these dudes are attacking me <laughs> he's like right? I'm in danger help yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. so a t most of the time in the old and new testament um saved is about temporal physical saving mm. right we always want to whenever you see the word saved you want to think saved from what Saved from what? So saved uh, physically is one of the ways it's used. But then when it comes to our spiritual salvation, there are three aspects to it that the Bible depicts. Uh, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Hmm. Justification is being freed from the penalty of sin. Right? So right. going to hell when you die, being freed from the penalty of sin. And we are freed from that penalty by believing in Jesus and being given eternal life. That is how we're freed from the penalty of sin because Jesus took our penalty, mm -hmm. right? Penal substitutionary atonement. He took our penalty on the cross and then he offers us forgiveness and eternal life. So we can be freed from the penalty of sin and that's justification. And then sanctification is being freed from the power of sin in the Christian's life. Because Christ lives within us, we have power over sin. And if we abide in Christ, if we walk in the Spirit, we can have success over sin in our life. We can be freed from its power over us. We don't have to be slaves to it anymore. Mm. So justification, freed from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, freed from the power of sin. And glorification is when we'll be freed from the presence of sin being freed from it, infecting us. And this is when uh, the Lord comes back for us and we're changed in the twinkling of an eye and we're yeah. given glorified bodies or at the resurrection uh, after we've died, you know, and then the Lord comes back and we're resurrected. The dead in Christ will rise first. And that's when we're changed and we're given our perfected bodies that no longer have sin infecting us. And that's glorification, being freed from the presence of sin in our life. Mm. And so <clears throat> typically when people talk about getting saved, what they mean is justification, right? Yeah, How do course. I know I can go to heaven when I die and I'm not having to go to hell to pay for my sin kind of thing? So we want to hit on justification. Um, Romans talks about this a lot. Paul hits on justification in Romans. Um, and I want to read a few verses from there. So Romans 3, 23 through 24, Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So we can be justified because it's a gift of grace that God gives us and be redeemed because of Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Uh, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
right? So yes. you be, being justified, we can get saved, meaning we're freed from the penalty of sin, and now we're qualified for heaven. We can go to heaven because Jesus paid the price of our crime, and he gives us his righteousness. Romans 5, 9 through 11. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Mm. All right? So there we go. We'll be saved through him. We've been justified by his blood. Uh, Acts 13, 39. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Right? Belief brings freedom from the law, freedom from our sins, freedom from our imperfections. And then you see Acts 16, 30 and 31. How do we receive this? And after uh, Paul and Silas were in prison and then there was an earthquake and uh, right. the jailer, we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Um, but the, the Philippian jailer says, um, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they told him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Uh, in order to get justified, there's just one thing that you have to do. Believe in Jesus, believe right? In and that's name. what you were saying. How do we get saved? Salvation or justification is solely based on belief in Jesus. That is it. It's solely based on belief in Jesus. Now, one of the things that's important for us <clears throat> is we don't think that justification and sanctification are the same thing. Correct. That's why they have two different words and two different names, Tyler. Yes. Because they're not the same thing, yes. right? So many people, even within Christianity, make these things the same. Yeah. Often, I'll even add to that. Yeah. Oftentimes, they'll they'll, uh, they'll conclude that in order to be justified, it, or even the proof that you were justified, is showing that you're pursuing sanctification. Yes. That doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't. And and sometimes it happens for a while and then people stop. Exactly. And so yeah. th that's where it gets really tricky because what makes people think they're not saved is how they're performing. And sanctification is, is following after Jesus in your life, being set apart. It's holiness, right? <laughs> yes. And sometimes we do a good job at it, and then sometimes we don't. And some yeah. people are better at it than other people. Mm -hmm. Some people submit to obedience to the Lord better than some do. And so if, if that's what bases our salvation upon it, then... Man, I want to know how much good I have to do to know that I actually have salvation. Yeah, yeah, because in order to be, if my uh, salvation is dependent on how well I'm doing at the sanctification process, mm. I'm going to fall short of that all the time. Who's to say on my deathbed that at that point in time, I was not doing very well with my sanctification? Yeah. Because then that would imply that it is on me yep. to provide for my own salvation. Well, and the hard part becomes, yeah. uh, what's the quantification? Mm. I really wish if, if my assurance that I'm going to heaven when I die is based on how well I'm living my life, then I would expect God to have given me a list of how I can know I'm going to heaven when I die and how much bad I can do versus well, yeah. how much good I can do. Make it defined, right? Make it yeah. clear. But there isn't. There's not. And, and that's, dude, that's the hard part mm -hmm. of this whole thing is, is like, I mean, I sin every day. I, I, I know about sins that I do every day. How, right. much, how much more do I sin in attitude or in motive that I don't even realize? Yeah. So when you think mm -hmm. about it, we're pretty messed up. And now yeah, we can yeah. be freed from the power of sin in our life as we abide in Christ and as we walk in the spirit Amen. and that's progressive yeah. sanctification. But if my justification is based on my growing mm. or my maturing, it's kind of funny because the Bible talks about being born again, right? So in order to know I was born, I have to be growing. Well, that's weird because you can't grow unless you are born, right? That's a, that's I mean, it's a just, great it's idea such that, a yeah. weird concept, but there's so many Christians on, on all sides of the theological spectrums who think, oh no, if they're not really living for the Lord, then they must not be saved. And typically the judgment comes down to, I'm doing better than them, so they must not be saved. But yeah. then it's like, well, what about all the people doing better than you? Exactly. Then are you not? I mean, it just, that, it gets to be nonsense and, and it becomes a workspace <laughs> assurance. It does. A workspace yeah. assurance. Yeah. That's yep. a great way of putting it. Uh, but Which that, is a slippery slope to a workspace salvation. It is. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, and that's, that's what we're addressing here today. It's, well, uh, yeah, yeah. How do we get saved though, Tyler? Exactly. So that's the question yeah. is, okay, how do I get justified? What do I have to do? Exactly. And so this is something that is, is really interesting. So uh, obviously... 
uh, we just talked about right? our idea is that it's justification. Mm -hmm. So in what now I want to just talk about other areas in scripture about where the Bible says on what we need to do to be saved. Okay. Uh, so in theory, yeah, if someone is to lose their salvation, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say that it's possible. That would imply that they would already have to be saved. Yeah. And that's what the Arminians would believe. <laughs> yeah. I had it, but then I lost it. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's an Arminian idea. Yep. Uh, and so now let's take a look at some passages where the Bible says how we are truly saved. Okay. So Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the, the idea of this passage, it's describing the way to salvation is by faith alone. Mm -hmm. There is no work that can be done to have it on your own. Yeah. If we could lose our salvation, it would logically mean that we would have to work to keep it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that would be mean that by losing your salvation and trying to stay in sanctification, that's a work. Yes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So that, how's that? that is, yeah, that's works. Exactly. And so the thing is, is if um, if we're having to constantly do that, that's work, and that goes contrary to what Ephesians two eight through nine says. It it's not by works, right? So if we could lose our salvation, it would mean that logically. But then um, to be in a perfect emotional state, or to be completely obedient to the Lord, or just avoid sin altogether, that's impossible. And everybody Nobody would admit it. that. Yeah. Everyone everybody would, would say, "Oh, we're not perfect. We're not talking about sinless perfection." <laughs> Exactly. Right. Nobody can live up to that high of a standard. And that's why salvation has to come as a free gift without works. Yep. Otherwise, nobody will be saved because can nobody can it. live up to that. No, because we all fall short. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we all fall short because it, it, we can't work for our salvation. It's something that had to be given. Like the passage says, it is for by grace, God's grace, yep. his grace, because we don't deserve it. That's what he means by for grace. We don't deserve this salvation. Yep. But he says that it is through faith faith through the belief, not through works, not yep. through yourself. He says that repeatedly. Now let's think about this because yeah. I think this is a really interesting contrast in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So for by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's mm -hmm. a gift. It's not a result of work so that no one can boast. Right. Okay. So does faith save us? Think about this. Does faith save us? Does the fact that I have faith, is it my faith that saves me? Depends on what your faith is in. That's it. So, so my faith doesn't save me. No. But the object of my faith is what saves of me. Of course. Because you could okay. argue, Mormons could argue they have faith in Jesus. Well, they do. Well, they everybody, would say that. Everybody of any religion say, has I have trust faith in, in Jesus, something. Yeah. But they don't mean the same thing. Yes. So That's uh, yeah. important. So when we talk about, what, so what is Paul trying to emphasize here? It's by grace that you have been saved through faith. Not that faith is the thing saving you, mm. but faith is the um, appropriation of what is saving you. Faith is what God wants from us mm. in order for us to receive the gift of grace. Does yeah, that make sense? Of course that does. And he contrasts that with Unlike, it's not works. God's not asking you to do works and then he'll give you a gift. Yes. He's asking for you to have faith mm. and then he'll give you a gift. Jesus saves us. Yeah. Right? Amen. Yeah. But how do I receive the gift of eternal life? Not by working, by trusting. It's acceptance is what it is. It's acceptance yes. of an idea of a concept. Yep. And then, it, but then it's, it's obviously it's more than that. It's well, yeah. about trusting the, yeah. the person. Of course. But, but to put it in belief. simplified terms, that's what you're doing. Yes. It's not the faith that saves you. It's Jesus. It's what you're putting your faith in. Yep. And, and, and I appropriate it through trusting him, not through working for him. Correct. Think about John three sixteen. even. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever behaves in him. Oh, wait, no, that's not what it says. <laughs> that's not right. It no. says believe. That's right. Yeah. Do you see the difference? It's not about works. Mm. He, and and he, he explains it. It's not a result of works so that you can't boast about it. Mm. God wants us to trust that Jesus did the work for us and place our faith in that, yes. in him, not work for him. Mm. that's how we receive grace. So I think this passage is really important because it couldn't be any clearer that it's not by works. Of course. Now, a lot of people will always say, hey, listen, um, 
I don't think it's works-based salvation, but if you truly believe, if you have saving faith, I've heard that too. They say yeah. all these words. First of all, there's no place in the Bible that says truly believe. There's no place that says saving faith. It nope. just says faith. Okay. So that's important to notice. Mm-hmm. That's called observation of the text, right? What's it say? What's there? Um, so they'll say, but if you don't have the real type of faith, then, um, you're gonna, um, prove that you never had it in the first place because you don't work and you don't do enough stuff to show that you have yeah. it. Um, but if you really had it, then works will just naturally come through you. And I would say, well, I think that there's truth to that. If the Holy Spirit's living in you, yeah. Like, of course. But have you ever told the Holy Spirit no? Yes. <laughs> Actually, I've probably done it today a few I mean, times. Here's the thing. Yeah. Have I ever said, I know what scripture says, and I know the Holy Spirit's bringing it to my mind, but I want to do my own thing right now. Yeah. I think we all have. So Mm -hmm. if I can do that, how many times can I do that a week and still be a Christian? Mm. How many times can I do it and then I lose it? Yeah. Do you see the problem with this? Because we can't quantify that. And whenever we're looking to our works to give us assurance, we're always not going to have assurance. Right, yeah. Because we fail miserably all the time, Mm. right? So this is why it's so important to know, okay, what is... Does it mean to be saved and how are we saved? Well, it's through faith. It's not through works. It's through trusting in what Jesus did for you. Mm. And if you trust in what he did for you, you're saved. Yep. That's it. Absolutely. So the gospel of John is really focused on this idea of belief. Um, The main message of this book is how you can be justified, how you can go to heaven when you die. Mm. Um, And the word believe is used, uh, scholars debate, but it's, it's somewhere between 95 to 99 times. Yeah. So that's a repeated word over and over and over and over again. John emphasizes belief. Nearly a hundred times. Yeah. We've said this on other podcasts. It's fascinating to me that the word repentance isn't used anywhere in the book of John. It's not. That's a really important point, right? Yeah, because it's not, it's, you don't need to repent. You don't need to turn or change your mind from, uh, you need to believe. You should that's absolutely, and that's all over scripture. Sure. You should repent, you should. but but you don't, that is not the requirement of salvation. It isn't. And it can't be because it's not in the book of John. Right. So believe, believe in him, believe in his name all over the place that the gospel of John talks about this. And that's actually the thesis statement of the gospel. So let's look at a few of these passages. Uh, John 1, 12, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Mm-hmm. So yep. how do you, you receive and believe that he is the son of God? Of course. Yep. Yeah. And then even, uh, then another passage too, we just talked about John three 16. I'll read uh, 16 through 18 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son, uh, son of God. So you see what that's saying is it's saying you're already in judgment. You're already condemned. Because why? Because you were born with sin. You're inherited that. And you haven't believed. And you haven't believed. But if you believe. Then you are saved and you're removed (laughs) of judgment. Yeah, exactly. That's why he's saying, he's like, look. Jesus didn't come here to judge the world. He, he's he. What he means by that, he's saying he didn't come here to condemn you. Yeah. You're already condemned. You don't get that. That's yeah. what he's trying to say. He's like, it's not about condemnation. It's about redemption. Yep. It's about getting out of that. And that's why he was sent. That's right. John 5, 24, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life mm. and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Think about that. Mm. That is a present tense or a past, sorry, a past tense, right? Yes. If you believe in Jesus, you have passed out of death into life. It's over. Yeah. It doesn't say you are passing through your uh, obedience and how well you perform. It says if you believe you have passed out of death into life. That's important. And again, Very. we want to take scripture for what it says. And the gospel of John couldn't be more clear on how a person can be justified. Of course. It, it's all throughout yep. the gospel of John. Uh, continuing on with more of the book of John. Uh, in ele- uh, chapter 11, verse 25 through 26, uh, he's talking to Martha here. Uh, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. 
do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, and he who comes into the world. So see, again, he's saying that he's reiterating that point. Uh, you believe in me, then, uh, then you will surely never die. That's the idea. I'm the resurrection. That's right. Mm -hmm. He who believes in me will never die. Yeah. That that is important. That's what he's saying. It means that he means that it, like in a literal sense, like he's saying, you believe in me, you will never die. That is the idea. Yep, mm-hmm. it is. And then John twenty thirty one is kind of like the purpose statement of the book. John twenty thirty mm-hmm. and 31. Uh, he says, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. <laughs> And that believing you may have life in his name. Mm. The purpose statement of John is about believing in what Jesus did based on the miracles he performed. Yes. Especially the resurrection. And so believe, 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 believe. How does somebody get salvation? It's through having trust, faith, belief in Jesus. Of course. And what he did on the cross. That is it. It's very simple. Um, Jesus, Hebrews 2, 9 tells us that Jesus tasted death for every man. Mm. And we're not going to get into it in this episode, but we, we believe yes. in um, unlimited atonement, that he didn't just die for those he knew would be saved. He died for all people, mm-hmm. for his enemies, for people he knew wouldn't ever be saved, right? Yes. And, and this is so important because if God really loves all people, which the Bible is clear on and it can't be argued that he didn't die for all people there's 12 verses that unequivocally answer he died for all people and there's not one that says he didn't right but because he loved all people how to appropriate this salvation would need to be something that each person could actually do Mm. right yeah so we're not saved by how much we know and you know why that's good tyler because there's a lot of people smarter than you and me out there yeah that's true (laughs) right yeah. Uh, uh, what, and what about the mentally handicapped? Yeah, exactly. Uh, sometimes mentally handicapped, like, like to the certain degree, you might not even fully able to comprehend everything sure. at all. Like, like and, and that's why it needed to be simplified. Yeah. But trust is something that all people can do, of right? Course. It, we don't have to know a lot. We don't have to do a lot of works because think about it too. Like how would that work? Certain people have, have more means, have more time, have more talents, are in a better position geologically or, or sorry, not geologically, geographically yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do good works. Right. Um, so if it's about works, how do we even quantify between a kid mm. who doesn't have the opportunity to travel more than 10 miles from his village? versus somebody who can go around the world bringing food and bringing yeah, shelter to can. millions of people. How does that even work, right? Um, we're not saved by how emotional and sincere we are when we believed in Jesus. Mm. You know, I've, I've talked with so many people who say that. Like, when I, w- I just don't know if I was sincere enough. I just, I didn't, I don't know if I really felt enough. Well, it's not about how you feel. Yeah. It's about what you're trusting in. I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's a really important thing, right? It's almost like they're saying, I don't know if I believed right. What? Well, (laughs) believing is what am I trusting in, right? It's not about an emotional response. Yeah, well, I I would agree. I I get where they're coming from. I I had that happen to me when I I was young. Part of my testimony is I believe when I was really young, I was six years old Mm -hmm. when I like I prayed and then I was even baptized that following weekend. Uh But uh, my parents walked me through the gospel. I understood it. But then I I didn't decide it, realize until later when I was about a freshman in high school. I'm like, oh, I need to take this seriously and live my life better for the Lord. But that doesn't mean I wasn't saved. No, I, I understood and I believed in Jesus when I was six. Yep. And that, that's a fact. I may not have felt it or understood the weight and comprehension of all that at sure. six years old, yeah. but I knew enough to understand Jesus is Lord. And that is what gets you into your salvation. And, and there's a childlike faith, right? And right. Jesus talks about the, the kingdom of heaven is filled with these, right? With children. Yeah. This, yeah. And so I think that sometimes we think we're way smarter than we are now, right? Mm. Like, oh, I know all this theology and I went to school and I have all these degrees. I know nothing about God in comparison with all there is to know about God. Yeah. Right? So the difference between me and a six-year-old and our understanding of God really isn't that far apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we get yeah. arrogant in thinking, oh, I got to have this doctrine, this, 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 believe all these, know all this. It's not about all that you know in your knowledge. It's about trusting in the right thing. 
Yeah. Trusting yeah. in Jesus, right? And it's also not about our sincerity, like I said. Right. It's only about the object of our faith. Our faith is only as strong as the object we're placing it in. And the, the that thing is about the that, key. yeah, the point of that too, that's so much more powerful when yes. there's a God who can save you just by that. Like that, that is a way more powerful God because he ha- is capable of bringing people in just by that accepting faith. Yep. And that is, that is phenomenal. Well, and the, that's the thing. It, yeah. It's literally something all people in all times and all places can do. Yeah. You can trust in somebody. You don't have to pay a certain amount of money. You don't have mm-hmm. to go to church a certain amount of times. You don't have to do all this work. You trust in Jesus. Yeah. Amen. And so when we're looking at yeah. our assurance of salvation, um, first of all, uh, I want to take Jesus at his word. And yeah. John's gospel couldn't be any clearer of how we are saved. Mm. Believe, 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 believe. Now, a lot of people out there will be like, well, you didn't bring up Matthew, you didn't bring up Luke, you didn't bring up these other passages. What about it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yep. But check yourselves to see if you were in the faith. You know, there's all these verses that get sure, thrown test out. test yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, if you go and you look at them in context and you go through like our context series mm-hmm. on who, who's the crowd, what's the occasion, who yes. wrote it, what are they saying, um, these passages aren't about justification. No, it's about sanctification most pretty much all the time. Pretty much all of the New Testament is about how Christians need to live their lives. Yeah, but and the thing that we need to that that's an obvious overarching message here is why do you think that all the New Testament is about how Christians should live their lives? The point is is because it's implying Christians can live against Christ. Badly. Yeah, yes. badly. Yeah. Which implies you can be saved and live a terrible life. Yeah. Because the whole, saying. or, yeah, yeah. or we have to believe because this is a great point. Sure. Sure. So I'm with you hundred percent on that. Yeah. The reason yeah. the Bible warns Christians about living a bad life is because we can actually live a bad life. Absolutely. Or we would have to believe real Christians can't live bad lives. And so the new Testament didn't need to be written. No. <laughs> right? I mean, that's where you get to. Is like, it didn't. Why is it imploring me to live a certain way if a real Christian can't live these ways? Yeah, because that's the thing. A real Christian, by that definition, they would just know this, right? The Holy Spirit would just automatically instill that in them. Yeah. According to that theology. Yeah, exactly. And there's so, that's not biblical. It's not biblical. No. The Bible seems to imply that Christians can live poorly, which is why there's all the commands not to live yes. poorly. Yes, yes. I'm with you 100% That's on it, that. That's it, yeah. And, and the New Testament's written to Christians. That's the other of thing. Course. The Gospel of John, I think, is clear that it's an evangelistic book mm-hmm. written to non-Christians. Yes, As well course. as Christians. But all the other books are addressed to Christians. Mm-hmm. People wouldn't read them unless they were Christians. And yeah. so this idea of, well, church back then was like it is now, and there was this mixture of Christians there, and then all these non-Christians were just showing up too. No, they weren't. You wouldn't go to this no. thing unless you were <laughs> believing it. Like yeah, So yeah. anyway, that frustrates me when I hear that. Yeah, of course. But when we look to h- how we can be assured, there's really three things that we can look to to base our assurance on. Yes. The first one that a lot of people look to, which I think is terrible, is their performance. Mm-hmm. How well am I doing in my life? Well, the truth of it is um, we're not doing that great, <laughs> right? And um, um, we all fall short. And I'm way closer on the spectrum to Hitler than I am to Jesus with my sin, right? All of us are. And so when I look to my performance, I'm always going to feel inadequate if I'm honest with myself, if I'm honest with myself. When I was in seminary, uh, I love this story. There was a guy who, who believed, you know, Christians can't sin habitually, and he mm. said that to our professor. I don't believe a real Christian can be in habitual sin. And my professor said, well, that's interesting. He said, how old are you? And the guy said, I'm 53. And he said, okay. And he said, how, how many times a week do you sin? And I'm not kidding you, Tyler. The guy said, I don't know, maybe once or twice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, I, and everybody in class laughed. Because we're yeah. like, you don't, do you even understand what sin is? Like once or twice? Like that would be phenomenal. No way. We're talking hundreds, thousands probably, right, of sins in our regular weeks. So anyway. He sinned a couple times just right there in the class. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like right well, then. <laughs> so this guy said once or twice a week maybe. And our professor looked at him and he said, let's just pretend that's true. He said, yeah, he said that. And he said, so you're telling me you sin once a week on average times 53 years of your life. So let me think about that. Once a week times 53 years sounds pretty habitual to me. 
And the guy went, <gasps> like he realized, <laughs> like you were in habitual, you know? Yeah, and what defines habitual? Well, that's, that's the, the thing. problem. There's yeah. nothing in the Bible that defines how much is habitual to get yeah, you in, what how much is isn't. It, right? So whenever we look to our performance to base our assurance, we will always have anxiety because none of us perform well enough to get to heaven, which I think is the point of the gospel. Mm. None of you perform well enough. You needed Jesus. Yeah. So we shouldn't look to our performance. A lot of people, the second thing that people look to is the Holy Spirit's testimony within them, right? And scripture talks about this, that we've been given the spirit and that it can testify with our spirit that we're children of God. So it's not bad. But the problem with it is that I'm still a factor in that. Yeah, right. The Holy Spirit's great, but I'm a mess. And so when I introspect in myself, I can play a role in this doubt and anxiety. And so I don't think that's the best. It's better than looking at my performance, but I don't think it's the best thing we can look to. Hmm. I think the best thing we can look to, to base our assurance on, are the promises of God about our salvation. Yes. The promises of God that if I believe I have everlasting life. You know, John 3, 16 again. Right. For God so loved the world, he gives only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right? Yeah. All throughout John, it talks about you've passed from death to life. He who believes in the Mm -hmm. son has everlasting life. It's a present tense verb. It doesn't say you'll get it in the future. Right. If you perform well enough. It says you have it in the present. Well, you would think too, if you could lose it, he would give a warning. Like, yes. why not? Like, like that honestly in itself is yep. messed up. If now, now, when you said that, yeah. a bunch of listeners thought, what about all the warning passages in <laughs> sure. Hebrews, Tyler? Sure. Oh my gosh, what uh, do you think? Uh, you but know. why would you leave that out in the gospel of John? Why would he leave that out specifically? Yes. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yep. You can turn to other passages, like you said, and you could show me this, but when we could look at the context together and go over that, but John specifically does not give that warning at the end of these passages. Nope. Then why should we think that that's, that's the way that, that we have to maintain it? Well, I'll tell you why it's because people don't read the Bible in context. In context. Yes. The the majority of the new Testament, not all of it, because the gospel of John, I think is very evangelistic, but the majority of the new Testament is talking about sanctification, mm, holy yes. living. How do we follow the Lord? How yeah. do we be disciples? Which makes sense because the the apostles of Jesus were called to go make disciples. Of course they were. So they're yeah. making disciples, not just converts. Mm-hmm. But part of being a disciple is becoming saved. So yeah. the Gospel of John's about that. So but the majority the of the New Testament process, yeah. is about how you follow after Jesus. Yes. And yes. a lot of people read those passages as if the 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 New Testament's only about how to go to heaven when you die. And it's just such an anemic way to read it, yeah, to be honest. Of it's course. very inept. Right. And continuing on uh, with, I want to go over another passage. And this one, this one is really fascinating, okay? This, uh, I'm going to read 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Uh, now, before I read this, I want to um, just want you to try to catch this, and we'll break it down afterwards. But there is a chia- what is called a chiastic structure in this passage, mm-hmm. uh, which um, helps reflect on the statement and really gives a true uh, idea of what the author is tr- like trying to get across here. I'll, I'll read it, and then we'll break it down. So it says, uh, starting in verse 11 of uh, 2 Timothy 2, it is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, we also den- he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the passage. <laughs> so what is fascinating about this, and this is uh, like in Greek literature, this is referred to as a chiastic structure, the way that this verse was developed. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating about it is, um, the way it goes is you kind of, uh, categorize it into like these letter categories. Okay. Yeah. Just like poetry or like poetry or even rap. Right. Yeah. It's always like a line one rhymes with line three. Yeah. There you go. Or sometimes they'll do line one and then line two and three rhyme. And then line four lines with rhyme one line one line. There's There's so many different ways to structure rhymes and rhythms in poetry and in rap and in literature. Exactly. And that's, that's what's kind of going on here. Yes. So the way that this is structured and I'm just going to, lay it out it's it goes a b b a okay yeah so like the a and the a go together the b and the b go together yes they don't rhyme they, they don't they rhyme, weren't trying to rhyme but they yeah. go together so yep. i'm gonna uh, uh show it to you guys real quick um 
So the first A is for if we died with him, we will also live with him. And then B, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And then the second B, if we deny him, he will also deny us. And then A, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm going to show you how they match. Okay. So the first A, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. The second A, if we, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. They go together. Do you see that? Yeah. So this is talking about justification. It's justification. Yep. Of course. Because if we've died with Christ, I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I live. Yes. Christ lives in me, right? If we died with him, we will we live, will, with, we'll him. live with him. If Even we live with him. Even if we're losers. Exactly. Or faithless. Yep. Faithless. Just like it said in the next A, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That goes together. So he can't go back on his promise. So he can't go back. Right. Now I want to cover B. So B, B, B. So... The first B, if we endure, he will also reign, we will also reign with him. And then the second B, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Okay. They go together. Okay. So if we endure, so that's not about believing in Jesus. No, it's saying if we stay with him, right? What's enduring? If we, endure, yeah. if we live out our lives for him, yeah, that's, so that's, that's more endurance. of a sanctification. Thing. Yeah. That's what it would imply. Yeah. And then it's saying, if we deny him, he will also deny us. What will he deny us? Going to heaven when we die? No. no. <laughs> what will he it. deny us? Well, he just said it. If we endure with mm -hmm. him, then we'll get what? We will get to reign with him. Reign with him. But if we deny him... We do not get that. He will deny us. are denied reigning. So you yeah. see what's happening here. This is about the sanctification and the glorification yep. process. Because he's saying, he's like, look, yeah, I will not allow you to reign with me if you do not endure yeah, there because is something to be lost. There is. Of course there is. And, and that, that is the key here of what he's talking about in this passage. He's saying, yeah, we, we can't, once you have Christ, that's what the A is talking about. The A is justification. The B mm -hmm. is sanctification. Yep. The A is saying, again, if we died with him, we will also live with him. The second A, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. It's saying, uh, yeah, if we're faithless, he's still faithful. He can't deny it. Yep. He did it. Justification. But B. if we're faithless, yep. we lose reigning. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then <laughs> we're denied a, a reward. Yes. So see, uh, like read this for yourself and look at it. Um, uh, like label it for yourself if you need to like structure it, if you're more of a visual person rather than yep. hearing me read this. But it's true. That's how it's lined up. And it's such a beautiful thing because what the author's trying to do here, what Paul and Paul is doing, he's trying to draw attention that this is important. Like, like there is a difference in between the salvation uh, uh, through justification and then talking about sanctification. Yep. He makes a clear distinction there. And chiastic structures are cool because what the author is trying to draw your attention to is the middle of the structure. It's like yes, the focal yes. point. And so the focal point of this chiastic structure is if we endure, we mm -hmm. will reign with him. But if we don't, we can lose the ability to yeah, reign. Yeah. And the whole passage in the context of 2 Timothy 2 is him telling Timothy, you know, fight like a good soldier, endure like a good athlete, keep focused on the prize, don't fall away. Yeah. And, and then he brings in, because there's something to be gained if we mm. endure hardship. Yes. But if we fall away during hardship, then we'll lose out on reigning exactly. with Christ. And that's and so, why it's so important. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, it's really cool what Paul's doing in this verse and what he's telling Timothy. Mm. And now a lot of people will say, Oh, but you know, so you're just saying we can believe in Jesus and then just live however we want. Well, yes and no. Correct. If you trusted in Christ and what he did for you on the cross, you are saved and you can never get out of it mm. no matter what you do. And I don't think I'm saying that. I think that the Bible says that, right? Yeah. Romans yeah. talks about that. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Height, nor depth, angels, principalities, right? And then he says things present are things to come. And some of the things to come in each of our lives is more sinning. Mm, Actually, all of my all of my sin was to come when Jesus died on the cross. For yeah, me. of course all it was. All of it. So did he not die for all of it or just some of it or just pre-conversion sin? Well, you see, if you believe in this, then you would have to fall in line with that idea. Yeah. You have to. That Jesus didn't die for a certain thing you would do later. Mm. So, But people will say, so I can just believe in Jesus and it's a get out of hell free card and I can live however I want. And I would say, yeah, you totally can. Yeah. But you shouldn't. Right. And I don't say that either. Paul says that. He does. Because he explains this and he says, so should grace, you know, should we go on sinning Roman so that six. grace may abound? Yes. Never. Like mm -hmm. we should not do that. His point is Dumb saying, idea. Yeah. He's, he, he says that because he's, he's implying you he, could, you could, you could 
continue in sin and let grace just abound. Let grace see, fill that. This is what we would call radical grace. Yeah. Like this is insanity. And I think it's hard for some Christians to wrap their minds around because you're like, wait a second, it can't be like no strings attached. No, it's literally no strings attached. Yeah. Jesus did all the work. Jesus did all the strings, right? I mean, he, yeah, he did yeah. it and he just lavishes and he wastes grace on us. And we could take advantage of him, mm. but he doesn't go back on his promises because he's faithful to himself and he keeps his word. That's right. So you could believe in Jesus and then you could live a horrible life and will you lose your eternal life? You won't, but mm. you will lose out on something. And we're going to talk about that next week. Yeah. There is tremendous loss that you have for not living in obedience to of God. Of course there is. But I want to read this passage about security again. Uh, John 6, 37 through 40. This is so cool. Jesus said these words. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me. Okay, this is great. So mm -hmm. Jesus is saying, I came down to do what the Father's will is. Yeah. And here's what his will is. Are you ready for the will? Let's this is what Jesus yeah. is going to do, right? Because that's why he came. This is the will of him who sent me, verse 39, that all he has given me, I lose nothing, but I raise it up on the last day. Okay? So one of the, the, the will of God is that all that come to Jesus never get lost, and Jesus will raise them on the last day. Mm -hmm. And then verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Mm. So think about this. The will of God is that Jesus doesn't lose any that come to him. And the will of God is that everyone who believes in Jesus has eternal life and will be raised up on the last day. Yes. And that Jesus doesn't screw that up because that's why he came to do mm. the will of his father. So if I believe in Jesus and I have eternal life, not I get it later, it's it's not like we get potential at eternal life. No. When you believe, you have it present tense. That's why there's all these present tense verbs. Yes. And if I could lose that, then Jesus isn't doing the will of God, right? Yeah. Isn't that what this passage is saying? That's exactly what it's saying. The will of God is what Jesus came to do. The mm -hmm. will of God is that anyone who believes in Jesus will be raised up on the last day. Jesus won't lose any of them. And so mm -hmm. when people believe they can lose their salvation— they're believing that Jesus can fail to do the will of the Father. Right. And right. I just don't know how you can reconcile in any other way of reading this passage in John 6. Jesus will keep all who believe in him, not dependent on how they perform, but dependent on their trust in him. Yeah, absolutely. And then to kind of uh, wrap this up with a really important point, um, I wanted to touch base on how uh, Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15 describe Jesus as the new Adam, right? Uh, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this passage. I'm not going to get into it, but the point is, is um, Paul, con uh, he compares Jesus, mm -hmm. right, to Adam in the sense that we are a new creation in him, right? We're given a new lineage. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that we could not lose our inherited sin from Adam, because right, when we were born into Adam, we got this inherited sin that we can't do anything about. You you and I, Robbie, did not have a choice no. in being born in this. No, it's just our experience. It's what happened to all of us. Exactly. Yeah. We did not have a choice, and we had no other way out of that. There's nothing I could do in my performance in my life that got me out of my inherited sin. Yep. There's nothing. That's why we needed Jesus, because he came down, and he is the new Adam, so that when we believe in him— we become born again. That's why there's so much emphasis on born again Yep, is because when we are reborn in Jesus, we're given a new lineage of inherited forgiveness and salvation that can't be taken away. It's in the same way yep. that that's the point I'm really trying to hit home with you guys in the same way that we could not do anything to reverse our sin in the same way we are permanently locked in lineage wise to Jesus and how he saved us. And we're now inherited into salvation mm -hmm. through him. There's nothing we can do with our performance to get rid of that. Yeah. It's just in our DNA now. It's who we are. It's who we yeah. are. It's in our DNA, literally. Yeah. That's what happens at the point of salvation. What we needed was a better heredity. A it better, is. Yeah. A better 
uh, focal person to come. Yes, yeah. we absolutely did. And that's why it's so crucial that Jesus came so that way we could have this choice. Mm-hmm. We could break the curse. Well, he broke it. We couldn't break it. Yeah. We couldn't break the curse. He broke it for us. And that's how we could get out of it was through him. And there's nothing that can take that away because we are already reborn and you can't make yourself unborn. You can't undo what has already been done. No. And, and here's the crazy thing is it doesn't matter how much you hate your physical father. Mm-hmm. You can never get out of that relationship. Of course. You could never talk to him again. Yeah. You could kill yourself. Right. You cannot get out of the fact that your physical dad is your physical dad. Right. You can't be unborn. You can't. Right. And 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 in the same way, it is with salvation. That's why Jesus uses this analogy. Once you are born of the spirit, Mm. you can't undo it. Yeah. It's a one-time event where you yes. believe and you're born again and there isn't going back even if you have a bad relationship with your heavenly father mm-hmm. even if you don't want to be around him even if you deny yeah. him and don't want to talk to him now it will right. affect other things which we'll talk about next of week of course it will but it doesn't affect the fact that you are a son or daughter of god yes. and you have eternal life cuz god doesn't go back on his promises amen to that and so yeah, bottom line, we just I just hope that this podcast was an encouragement to you. If you're a Christian who's been struggling with this idea of am I really saved or um like am I really like in Christ? Like mm-hmm. that's the thing. You were in Christ the moment that you accepted him. And there's nothing that can take you out of that. Yep. Now, uh, again, we'll get into endurance next week, but I hope that this episode in particular has encouraged you and given you confidence because here at Christ Culture and Coffee with this podcast, our goal is to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. And that being confident in your faith also includes being confident in your salvation and being mm-hmm. confident in your assurance of salvation, that you were locked in, you were eternally secure, And you can know that. You can know that Jesus is faithful to fulfill his promises that he made to the Father. Yep. And our assurance has to be based on the promises of God. Mm. So wrestle with these scriptures, not with our position. Like, what does John mean when he says it all over the place? Do we take it seriously what God says? Or we go, eh, that might be too good to be true, so I'm going to have to see and do some work to make sure. No, we don't have to do that. We can trust the promises of God. Mm. Now, there are passages that talk about warnings for Christians if we don't live for the Lord. And they're real warnings because there's real things to be lost. But it never entails that we can lose our eternal life which was given to us in Jesus at the moment we trusted in him amen if it's not eternal how can it be called eternal life it's named badly does that make sense yeah it's a bad name for it if it's not eternal it's how can you lose something that's eternal possibly possible eternal life potential to get it later maybe that's not what it says so you can't lose your eternal life if you have trusted in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross and and that you believe that Hmm. that he died for your sins and that you were saved based on his work, not on your own. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. If you've got questions or comments, please reach out to us on this. But I highly encourage you to read that R.T. Kendall book, Once Saved, Always hmm. Saved. It is just amazing. Um, and uh, I don't agree with all his theology, but on this sure. point, right. I totally agree uh, that he is right on the money with it. So hopefully this has been encouraging to you, like Tyler said, and we will catch you guys next week with another episode of Christ Culture and Coffee. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our Stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.